we are in a headless chicken phase of our approach to the pandemic. You don't say. Although I do love chicken. Delicious. Don't worry. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Oregon, uh, in California, I should say, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Yes, in Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN. In Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis-St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening and quarantine convenience on the Internet. on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Yep, we are still here. Many of those late-night comedians may not be. Chickens. I know, (laughs) and I really, really wish they were right now, actually. We could really use them right about now, more than ever. Most definitely. Uh, But anyway, we're still here, so there's that, and we hope to be able to remain so, at least through the general election, if there is one by the time we get to November, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, yes, uh, we are working to make sure there will be one, but it may not be uh, easy the way things are going. Before we get into the weeds of what the hell is now going on with our elections and three big states who are holding primaries on Tuesday amid uh, amid the coronavirus pandemic, uh, some slightly brighter news very quickly just in. Former U.S. Uh, Congressman Duncan Hunter Republican of California was sentenced to 11 months in prison on Tuesday for misusing campaign funds. Good. And that's all. Hunter pleaded guilty in December to one corruption charge because uh, he and his wife were initially charged with more than 60 counts after prosecutors said that he and his wife converted and stole more than a quarter million dollars in campaign funds for their own use over a period of several years. The campaign money went to luxury personal expenses like uh, private school tuition for his children, his wife's shopping sprees, family trips to Hawaii, and Thanksgiving in Italy, according to prosecutors. In his signed uh, plea agreement, Hunter specifically acknowledged that the, quote, object of the conspiracy was for the hunters to convert campaign funds for their own personal benefit and enjoyment 
and for the personal benefit of others with whom they had personal relationships. Hunter resigned from his position in January, just more than a year after winning a sixth term of office. He faced up to five years in prison. His 11-month sentence does include three years of probation. Uh, but his wife, Margaret, who uh, pleaded guilty last year to conspiracy to misuse campaign funds, was expected to testify against her husband of more than 30 of more than 20 years if this case had gone to trial. So, yeah, little wonder that uh, Hunter cut a deal with prosecutors here. He'd have gotten killed in a trial, I suspect. So now we ha just have to see if Donald Trump decides to pardon him as well. Along with Congressman Chris Collins of New York, who was also charged with a felony, and uh, in his case, he was sentenced to 26 months for insider trading. Hunter and Collins were uh, the first two members of the U.S. House to endorse Donald Trump as candidate way back after he announced his run for president. So, you know, the company you keep. I would not be surprised in the least if both of them received presidential pardons from our similarly criminal president. But nonetheless, for now, that's your good news for the moment amidst our ongoing nightmares. Lock him up. Amid a uh, global pandemic which has locked down much of the country, voters, at least some of them, nonetheless, went to the polls on Tuesday in Florida, Illinois, Arizona, but not in Ohio, which I'll discuss in a moment. But before we get there, in case you were wondering... Former Vice President Joe Biden was finally declared by AP on Monday night to be the winner of last week's all-vote-by-mail primary election in the great state of Washington. According to the currently reported results, Biden leads by more than 21,000 votes after more than 2.2 million were uh, counted. He was winning in 25 of the state's 39 counties. Of the state's 89 pledged delegates, only 31 are allocated based on the statewide results. The remaining are determined based on the results of the state's 10 congressional districts. So we still don't know those numbers for sure. But AP is uh, finally calling it for Biden. Uh, Donald Trump, by the way, was the only candidate listed for Republicans in Washington state. He received more than 666,000 votes. Yes, 666 uh, in Washington state. However, more than 11,000 Republicans wrote in alternate candidates actually bothered to go to the polls to vote against Donald Trump. 11,000 of them. In any event, that means Biden... Uh, reportedly won five of the six states holding contests last week, including uh, Washington, Missouri, uh, Mi Michigan, Mississippi and Idaho. Bernie Sanders was only able to win uh, the North Dakota caucuses in uh, last week's Super Tuesday. Uh, what will happen in uh, Super Tuesday 3.0 with the primaries in Arizona, Illinois and Florida, given the effect of coronavirus resulting in mass poll worker cancellation and closed polling places in all three states? That remains anyone's guess, at least as we go to air. But we will have whatever those best guesses turn out to be on our next thrilling broadcast, no doubt. The coronavirus uh, has hampered efforts by voters to get to the polls in uh, some of the states on Tuesday as the global pandemic scrambled the Democratic presidential contest. Problems were seen across Florida, which has the most delegates up for grabs among the states who are now voting on Tuesday in Okaloosa 
County on the panhandle, two dozen poll workers dropped out, leaving election supervisor Paul Lux's staff scrambling to train replacements. Polling sites, Lux said, opened with a skeleton crew, adding we are at the honest end of the rope. At the other, much more crowded end of the state, the elections department in Palm Beach County said 800 volunteer poll workers backed out on Monday. Oh, dear. Yep. And just 100 new volunteers offered to take their place. We noted yesterday on the show that elections officials uh, in the Sunshine State were reaching out to sheriff's departments, students, whoever they could find at the last minute to take the place of many elderly poll workers who justifiably decided it was not wise to be around hundreds of people all day long in the middle of a global pandemic that affects elderly uh, people the worst. Uh, But I can hardly blame younger people for uh, wanting to do that either. A federal judge rejected a request from voting rights advocacy groups seeking a 10-day extension for mail voting, citing the movement of 112 polling places in 22 counties in the state of Florida. Meanwhile, leaders in Ohio called off their primary just hours before polls were set to open after a chaotic back and forth in the uh, state court system over the governor's request to postpone the primary, citing the need to combat the coronavirus. Finally, Ohio's Tuesday primary was called off at the very, very last minute on Monday night. Governor Mike DeWine said the state would not open polls because of the coronavirus. His comments came after a judge had declined to postpone the contest until June, as DeWine had initially wanted. DeWine said in a statement, quote, during this time when we face an unprecedented public health crisis, To conduct an election tomorrow would force poll workers and voters to place themselves at an unacceptable health risk of of contracting the virus. He said that the uh, health department director, Amy Acton, would, quote, order the polls closed as a health emergency. And she did just that late on Monday night. Governor DeWine and Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose, both Republicans, filed a joint lawsuit on Monday uh, in, in the afternoon in order to get the election postponed. They don't have the authority on their own to do it. But Judge Richard Fry declined their request later on Monday, saying that to postpone the vote would be to set a terrible precedent. He said there are too many factors to balance in this uncharted territory to say that we ought to take it away from the legislature and the elected statewide officials and throw it to a common pleas court judge in Columbus to decide with just 12 hours to go before the election. DeWine and LaRose, for their part, said in a joint statement after that decision that the only thing more important than a free and fair election is the health and safety of Ohioans. The Ohio Department of Health and the CDC have advised against anyone gathering in groups larger than 50 people, which will occur if the election goes forward, they said. The Ohio Secretary of State's office said all voters who have already cast their early ballots or voted uh, uh, voted by mail will still have their ballots counted whether or not the election was delayed. So the health director declared polling places to be a health emergency, and that was that. On Tuesday morning, the Ohio Supreme Court 
denied a legal challenge to stop the state's attempt to delay the election. Uh, And in truth, though I know some voting and civil rights advocates opposed it, uh, I think it was probably the right thing to do to shut this down, uh, particularly given the obscene overcrowding that traditionally occurs at many of the polling places in the Buckeye state and the fact that much of the state now forces voters to use touchscreen voting systems, which would be a fantastic vector for spreading the virus, along with hours long wait times in cramped polling places. So, uh, yeah, I think that was probably wise. What do you think, Desi? Well, that, when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, good. And it wasn't until after I, rec- I heard that there were voting rights advocates who were concerned. I thought, well, you know, I can understand where they're coming from, but these are matters of life and death. And so we really have to find another way around it. And they've been, uh, you know, saying, hey, we held elections during uh, World War One and World War Two and during the Civil War. And all of that is true. But those are different. But they were not contagious uh, pandemics. And the poll place itself was not a vector for right. transmission. Exactly. Uh, so, meanwhile, yeah. uh, Florida is a terrible situation. No two ways. about No, there, it. it really is. And uh, we're going to talk about some uh, potential solutions in a moment with a longtime uh, Florida election official. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Re- Republican secretary of state of Florida told reporters that her state's election would go on. Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis defended that choice, saying uh, we are dealing with this in a thoughtful way, but we're not going to panic. Uh, When you go and cancel that, the signal that it sends is somehow we're paralyzed, and I don't think that's the case, said DeSantis. Well, uh, maybe or maybe not, but it presents a a hell of a dilemma for voters, especially older voters. Uh, You know, should they stay away from crowds as directed by health officials, or should they risk dying in order to cast a vote? I mean, it hardly seems fair, to be frank, to, to, to even put that to, to voters at this point, particularly since either uh, rescheduling the election or extending vote by mail deadlines could have and should have been an option given this ongoing emergency. Arizona Secretary of State Kate Hobbs, she's a Democrat. She also said that the state would not postpone on Tuesday, saying the longer we wait, the more difficult and dangerous it could become. She said in a statement that is true. But not if they implemented statewide vote by mail. Soon after the uh, the push from Ohio leaders, a spokesman for the Illinois State Board of Elections said that the state was also moving forward with its primary on Tuesday noting that much of the voting for this election has already been done. Uh, Also, at this point, there is no date, he said, in the foreseeable future when we expect greater safety with any certainty, taking action to move to an all-mail ballot system, as has been suggested by some media members, fails to take into account the needs of many disabled voters who are unable to cast paper ballots by mail. Uh, okay, uh, but uh, couldn't accommodations be made for for those disabled voters if need be? Seems like it'd be a hell of a lot easier to only have to worry about accommodating those needs for a very few people than the entirety of the state of Illinois, especially when Chicago has closed all of its restaurants, bars, theaters, has instructed people to not gather in large groups of, uh, I think, 50 or more there. But they're also telling voters, including the elderly and disabled, who may have compromised immune systems, that they should go out and hang out in a polling place that could have more than 50 people in it. I mean, this is incoherent. 
and potentially deadly dangerous. Late on Monday, uh, Kentucky's Secretary of State announced his state's uh, primaries would be pushed back from May 19 to June 23, joining Louisiana, Georgia, and as of today, Maryland, which we'll get to uh, in a moment, in rescheduling upcoming primary elections. But in the meantime, in Illinois, with voting underway on Tuesday, there was a push to relocate at least 50 Chicago-area polling places after locations canceled at the last minute said they would not be available for use on Tuesday. They probably didn't want people coming on into their, uh, well, whether it was a senior citizen's home or anywhere else, bringing the virus in. Cook County, Illinois clerk Karen Yarbrough encouraged poll workers to mark space on the floor at polling sites to keep voters a safe distance apart and from spreading the virus. She tweeted a photo of a blue roll, uh, a roll of blue tape, a six-foot uh, piece of string, and a tape measure, along with a note that encouraged poll workers to hashtag mark the floor, adding, this picture can save lives. The coming weeks will uh, present additional uncertainties. Uh, after Tuesday, the campaign had been set to shift to Georgia next week, but officials there have postponed the Democratic primary until mid-May. That means voting is not scheduled again anywhere until March 29 in Puerto Rico, and island officials may also be uh, looking to delay that as well. The first week in April, meanwhile, would have featured Louisiana, but uh, they decided to cancel their primary until June 20. That leaves only primaries in Alaska and Hawaii and caucuses in Wyoming through April 4. If those are not rescheduled before then, because the virus is in all 50 states. A big question on Tuesday, of course, Aside from the health issues was whether the coronavirus would impact turnout at the polls. Former Vice President Joe Biden, who's uh, moving closer to securing the Democratic nomination, um, could face a, a setback if older voters who tend to support him do not show up. Bernie Sanders, meanwhile, cannot afford to lose support from young voters who have been his most loyal Millions of voters have already participated in some form of early voting, but there were some signs on Tuesday that voters who might have showed up in person were not turning out to the polls. So uh, how is all of this going to work uh, come November? I mean, the entire campaign is now in sort of a state of suspended animation, as NBC News described it. So what are we going to do by the time we get to November? As of today, people are suggesting we may be in uh, various forms of lockdown mode for as many as 18 months. Really? 18 months. If we want to avoid as many as uh, 2 million dead Americans, according to several recent studies, yeah, we may have to do this for 18 months. Uh, so will we be seeing vote-by-mail elections in all 50 states by November? Let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back with uh, someone who knows quite a bit about running elections under duress as a 30-year supervisor of elections in the great, if predictably chaotic, state of Florida. He's the man who stood at the center of the presidential recount debacle in the year 2000, and I suspect he has a few insightful thoughts for us today. The legendary Ion Sancho joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs>
What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Taking it easy here. Uh, Even with three big states, Florida, Illinois, and Arizona, all carrying out their elections as scheduled on Tuesday, and we'll have any reported results on that on our next Bradcast, others have been canceling their planned primaries amidst the coronavirus epidemic and various closures, lockdowns, public health emergencies, Around the country, as we uh, go to air here after this break, just getting word that the coronavirus has now been reported in all 50 states as of today. Ohio, which was also supposed to vote on Tuesday, postponed its scheduled primary at the very last minute, joining other states which have now done the same, including Louisiana, Georgia, Kentucky, and as of today, Maryland. The state's Republican governor, Larry Hogan, announced today that he is postponing the state's April 28 primary election to June 2 due to the risk of coronavirus, a special election to fill the congressional seat that became vacant with the death of Congressman Elijah Cummings, however, which was also scheduled for April 28. That will go forward, but it will be a mail-in only election, according to Governor Hogan. In Maryland's elections, in addition to the presidential primary, there will be congressional matchups and a competitive mayoral race in Baltimore, all now scheduled for June. The governor in Maryland, unlike the governor of Ohio, who was initially blocked from closing the polls until his health director declared polling places to be a health emergency, Well, he does have the authority in Maryland to postpone elections, to change locations or specify alternate means of voting when a state of emergency has been declared, according to state law. All of this is going on today as states like Florida decided to, sure, go ahead with their primary elections anyway, despite hundreds of elderly poll workers justifiably canceling at the last minute, concerned about showing up to work all day in close quarters with hundreds of people amidst a global pandemic that has now killed at least 100 people in the U.S., almost all of them over the age of 70. And as other states consider postponing or changing the way that they will hold elections this year, during what is perhaps the most critical presidential election in the history of our nation. Well, as of this minute, anyway, there's a whole lot of chaos going on across the uh, across the country and across the election world. Joining us now is someone who has no small amount of experience with both critical elections and chaos. As the man tapped to oversee the eventually aborted statewide recount in Florida back in the uh, 2000 election between George W. Bush and Al Gore in the Sunshine State is our old friend, the legendary Ion Sancho. He is the former Leon County, Florida supervisor of elections. That's Tallahassee, the state's capital. He served in the elected position for almost 30 years before retiring in 2016. 
He was and is a great champion of voting rights and publicly overseeable, transparent elections. And he is no friend of private voting machine vendors who have taken control of so many of our elections in various ways. Uh, And arguably now they are all putting us all at risk with touchscreen voting systems that will prove a vector for spreading the coronavirus amid our ongoing health emergency in the middle of this presidential election. Ion Sancho, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. How are you doing, Brad? How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. I, I understand that you are safely far, far away from the polls today down in, in Florida. Am I correct about that? Uh, there's not going to be a poll within five miles of me. Okay. Well, no, there is one two and a half miles away. There oh. is one two and a half miles away. But, uh, yeah, I live out in the country, uh-huh. and, and that's... Uh, that's where I've retired, and, and that's where I, I like to stay while, while the more hectic elections are going on, for sure. Well, I was going to ask you, do, do you miss the gigs since retiring, or are you delighted to not have to deal with uh, all of this stuff I was just going through that elections officials are now trying to figure out in, in Florida today and elsewhere around the country? Do, do you miss it? Well, yes and no. I, I actually don't miss the stress, the, the incredible partisan nature of being an election official in Florida. Mm-hmm. Which, in, which uh, really adds to the, the burden because California, Oregon, Washington, the Northwest states have better what I would call nonpartisan elections administration for the most part, mm-hmm. um, but not in, the, uh, not in the old Confederate states. Here, it's, it's a war to ensure that citizens can get the right to vote as, as, uh, as the Constitution intends they do. Mm-hmm. And so the stress of that war, I'm glad that that's over. Uh, you know, I do I do a Twitter account, mm-hmm. but I try to focus on election security and elections. And uh, one thing I'd like to say is this: uh, the COVID nineteen virus may be a blessing in disguise for the citizens of Georgia, who may have to cast uh, ballots by mail, yep. and their scanners are excellent for scanning ballots. Uh, and, um, and you know, I noticed uh, I on uh, yesterday I mentioned it on the broadcast the first three states. Uh, pretty much to cancel or postpone their elections. Uh, Louisiana, Georgia, Ohio, all three states force uh, almost all of their voters at the polls to vote on touchscreen voting systems, which I know you have been uh, long against. I have been long against uh, even before we realized uh, how they could be a vector for disease uh, at the uh, at the polling place. Well, the, these these large touchscreens are, are are technically ballot marking devices, and this is what the industry is trying to foist upon the uh, uh, the elections uh, community, and and unfortunately, too successful. They're using the ploy that uh, everyone has to vote on the same machine, and quite frankly, that's a crock. You can use the same machine and vote in separate manners to accommodate individuals with disabilities versus those who can hand-mark a paper ballot Mm -hmm. on the same device. And you don't need a ballot-marking device to accomplish that uh, because the technology exists today for that that technology. But the large vendors really like the fact that they need the profits to stay in business Mm -hmm. and they control the market. Two companies can dominate the market Mm -hmm. in the United States, the private voting machines, and they've rigged the rules so that essentially startups are very difficult to, uh, to be, break in. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, sure. So, who, who, who wouldn't want to sell, uh, you know, 20, 25 um, voting machines to each precinct rather than, you know, 25 uh, touchscreens uh, rather than one single scanner or one single print-on-demand device? So, of course, that's right, what or, they or, want to or do. Two, that, that's right. And, and there have been studies that have been done in North Carolina and Pennsylvania we're using the handmarked paper ballot system, which not only is more secure, is three to ten times more inexpensive mm-hmm. to operate yep. and maintain. Because each one of those ballot marking devices you have to pay a service contract for. So instead of two per precinct maximum, mm-hmm. you're dealing with, with a dozen in each precinct. Yeah. And that's $1,200 or $1,000 a buck um, per device mm-hmm. and and. That's where the voting machine vendors make their money on the service contracts, not conducting elections, but between elections mm. when the machines are not being used and essentially the private voting machine companies are getting their service contract money. Now, you mentioned uh, that uh, Georgia in, in postponing for now, postponing their elections on these brand new touchscreens. Um, uh, in theory, they'll still use those touchscreens, but they may not uh, be able to. We may have to go to hand-marked paper ballots by mail. And I want to get into that idea uh, in general and, and uh, questions and concerns about that. But before we get there, just very quickly, are you, are you hearing from uh, voters or officials on Tuesday as far as you know how things went when polls opened? I know that there were hundreds down in, uh, I think, Miami-Dade. Who uh, poll workers who called in and said they could not work there, a lot of them elderly, and so justifiably they, they don't want to show up. Uh, are, are you hearing anything about how it's going and um, if, if we're pulling this off? Well, yes, yes. First off, you've got to remember this is Florida, where hurricanes generally hit during the Florida primary season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had, uh, in, in, in my career, mm-hmm. I remember being hit, Florida being hit by four hurricanes in one year, completely knocking down all of the elections infrastructure in southwest Florida and central Florida. So election officials in Florida have to be able to move quickly on a dime and adjust. That's, that's part of what living in a hurricane area teaches you. Mm. And so what, what we saw was that over a million and a half Floridians had already voted before Election Day, and that's the major uh, calculation that went into, I think, allowing the election to continue. Because what we're seeing is very light turnout all over the state. Um, and, in fact, voters are reporting they're not running into many other voters at the polling sites, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. Uh, longest lines may have been 20, 20 people long, for example, mm-hmm. uh, at, 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 when the polls opened at 7. So, again, I think that given that Florida pioneered early voting and that, uh, that is a very, very popular option here, many of the voters uh, have already voted before the peak of of this uh, of this crisis, which is now upon us, and I think knowing that you were looking at a small turnout, they decided rather than cancel the whole thing, we planned for this, mm-hmm. and they consolidated precincts, they moved voting locations that had been in congregate living facilities while elderly, so that in fact individuals cannot mingle in, in those same buildings. And again, uh, there were that I think was the number one thing that was done was the consolidation and movement of polling sites to not potentially infect target groups with the virus itself. Mm-hmm. I and I'm glad that you know that that they uh, moved those sites. I'm glad that it sounds like it's going so far smoothly enough, but 
Uh, I am concerned that uh, some of the low turnout may have to do with people just afraid to show up at the at the polling place where, you know, if, if they had been a uh, mailed a ballot that they could just come and drop off at the polling place, uh, the turnout might be much higher. Do you have concerns that it's just going to uh, uh, depress turnout because of fear of showing up at the polling place? Well, I, no, undoubtedly, there will be some people deterred. Um, I, I think, though, that we're in a much larger problem. And that, quite frankly, not only the, the elections, but the in, entire primary and elections process is going to have to be reexamined, given this crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, this pandemic provides a challenge like no other in my lifetime. And we're going to have to do this. Mail ballots, um, while in, uh, may be the way out of this, but mail ballots require machinery. Mail ballots require uh, high-speed counting devices. You need, it can be done, and mm-hmm. it can be done excellently, but it can't be done cheaply. Um, and so if that's something that we're going to have to go to. We need to prepare for that, get the individuals that, that and really look at jurisdictions. For example, in Pinellas County, um, they do, in my opinion, mm-hmm. among the best work on, on mail ballots in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the things that I can tell you is that election officials from other jurisdictions of the states, they don't look to see what is what are the best practices. They don't concern themselves with how actual machinery is working in other places. They just depend upon their voting vendor to tell them what to do. Mm. And that's there are some excellent uh, operations in this country, but they're not given any kind of publicity. And we don't really have any kind of mechanism nationally to to provide the best practices to give guidance our, our national elections administration is a debacle i mentioned uh that maryland is postponing their presidential primary but they're going ahead with their special congressional election to replace the late uh, congressman elijah cummings so that will still move forward on april 28 but it's going to be an all vote by mail election I, I you know and i don't know if you can uh uh, speak for the folks in in Maryland, but is six weeks enough time to convert to an all vote by mail election? And if it is, as apparently the uh, uh, the folks in in uh, Maryland seem to think, why would they then cancel the rest of the election and only hold that special election if they can if they can do it that well, quick? We, why wouldn't they? Well, you're, you're probably talking about volume, uh, and the other thing is that probably only Congress has the authority to cancel a congressional election. Mm-hmm. The state can cancel its elections, but I'm not sure that the state has the authority to cancel a presidential election. Mm-hmm. Again, under the Constitution, Congress, under the Time, uh, Dates, and Manners Clause, is the sole determinator uh, of when its elections are, will go. So you mean uh, you mean they don't have the uh, uh, the authority to cancel a congressional election, not a, a presidential election? That is correct. Congress- that is correct. And so, and the, the the presidential primary is not really a federal election. That's a, a no, party primary. No, it is not. Right. It's a state party primary. Which uh-huh. is why the states can do this to the to the to state parties. They may not have. And again, that's just uh, off the top of my head. I haven't looked at this issue, but I have been teaching a class on the Constitution and the time and. Clearly, 
Congress is the only one that can cancel a federal election so, or a national election of any sort. Well, is it possible, uh, you talk about volume, and I guess you're saying uh, as opposed to having to do it across the entire state, they only have to do it in, in uh, Congressman Cummings' district, in essentially in well, Baltimore. Right. So the difference between counting 60,000 votes versus, uh, you know, 600,000 votes. Mm-hmm. It's so, a huge difference. And a local operation can handle the former, but clearly not the latter. So you think they can ramp up in six weeks to do uh, one single election in one single congressional district? Yes, I believe they can do that. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I've actually transited to multiple platforms of voting technology within my career. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we were able to go to an optical scan system to another optical scan system um, within, within eight weeks. Uh, completely changing out the voting machines. It's doable if you have great administration and, and talented staff. Uh, so it's doable. Uh, is it a good idea? And I ask because I'm not sure yet in Maryland if they're going to be, um, you know, it's going to be all by mail, but it's not yet clear to me whether it's going to be uh, that you have to request a ballot, an absentee ballot, or if they're going to send them to all registered voters. It, 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 well, 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 clearly to me, my, my preference would be where they would have to send them to all the voters. They've, cr- they've created an uh, all-mail ballot election, and therefore the onus is on the state to provide a means for every citizen to cast that ballot mm-hmm. in that mail ballot election. So the citizens should not, should not have to, to, to do that. Of course, right off the bat, individuals that have not kept their address current in the system are going to be the ones that are going to have problems in this process. Which they can only mail it to. They can only mail it to the the address that you put on that voter registration application. And we know that our population is mobile. Uh, mm-hmm. And and even though it doesn't cost to get another voter registration card, people probably are going to have ballots that are not going to be con- uh, mm-hmm. uh, in their mailbox because the election officials don't know your address. And I'm really happy you mentioned that, Ian Sancho, because I have been meaning to mention that for several days now. Of course, we're always, you know, pressing people to check uh, with their county or their secretary of state to make sure that they are registered, to register if they're not, to, to make sure that, the, you know, everything is accurate as they think it is. But now, with the possibility of potentially moving to vote-by-mail ballots across uh, not just a number of states, but we could see this across the entire country by November. I want to urge people to go check their registration at the county or state website. And as Ion suggests, make sure it is up to date with your current address or you may not be voting at all this year. Uh, Ion, what are the, the dangers that you see? Uh, because I have never, uh, you know, I have not been a vote-by-mail fan unless uh, you either literally can't be there on Election Day uh, or you're in a jurisdiction that forces you to vote on an unverifiable touchscreen voting system. But what are the, but at this point, I think we have to do it, uh, or we're going to have to do it if the uh, uh, virus continues on this trajectory. Uh, what are the dangers that you see in uh, vote-by-mail uh, ballots uh, being sent to every registered voter, uh, which is currently being done in states like Oregon and Washington and, and Colorado? Is there a danger to doing that, as you see it? Well, what, what you what you do, you're going to automatically reduce by a, a certain percentage the number of valid votes cast in an election. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 people who are least experienced that, and they tend to be the younger individuals. Have, for example, under Florida's rules, um, have a uh, eight times more likelihood of not having a mail ballot counted versus um, non-minority populations. 
They're easier uh, to throw away. Why are they so easy to just uh, ditch, why, to, to reject vote by well, mail ballots? Because there's pr- one, because first of all, you have to complete the envelope as the envelope's instructions say. Mm-hmm. And you have to sign it with a p- signature. And the number one way to verify a voter's mailed ballot is to compare that signature with the signature on file that every supervisor of elections has clipped from your voter registration system. So you, the signature of that absentee, that, that mail ballot is compared against the signature that has been clipped from the a- application and is on a computer screen. And it's compared, by and the way, by non-handwriting experts, right? The, the people absolutely. who are doing these? Yeah. And there's a tremendous discrepancy in wh- whose ballots counts where in uh, Manatee County, uh-huh. uh, in Collier County, some of the, the largest Republican turnout counties in the state of Florida, those counties have the largest number of rejected Democratic ballots. And it's much larger than the rest of the state. And mm-hmm. why, so, so why is that? Why are these discrepancies, uh, outlier counties, with large numbers of rejections in just one party, because they, the data shows they don't reject the Republican ballots at the same level? And, and unfortunately, the, a, a conclusion that I might draw is that there's there's partisans involved in this process. And unfortunately, Americans' elections have always had partisans involved. That's not unusual. Uh, what's not un- what is unusual is that we can't seem to get rid of it in Florida. <laughs> is there a remedy for this problem in that case? I know in Georgia they had to file, uh, voters had to file a lawsuit. It was successfully settled uh, about a week or so ago that would require uh, the state to actually, all counties, I guess, to actually notify voters if their paper ballot, their absentee paper ballot was rejected for any reason, giving voters time to come in and cure it even uh you know within days after the election if necessary is is that a solution and if it is a solution well if it's do fair. the states will it, the it counties is. do it well it's a fair solution if you have fair election administration jurisdictions like Ohio, uh, like Oregon for mm-hmm. example which has pioneered mail voting in the United States mm-hmm. they provide 14 days for an individual to present themselves to cure a problem a deficiency in the mail ballot. They provide 14 days. States like Arizona and Washington and California provide two to three weeks of days to allow the voter to cure a problem. Then you run into states like Florida that had to be sued to allow voters to cure their ballot after the election. Mm -hmm. The deadline for Florida had been yet to cure all deficiencies, so how would you know about it, the day before the election. (laughs) That's how you manipulate the rules to ensure that large number of ballots are discounted, and particularly people in urban areas where the minority population is concentrated never receive notice that their ballots are going to be discarded. That's how you write the rules that are on its face neutral but have a disparate impact based on Mm -hmm. population, and Georgia and Florida are among the worst in that. Given those uh, problems and how easy it is to manipulate uh, vote-by-mail elections like that, you know, uh, we're looking. I've been noting of late that, you know, I I don't really see any other option but to go to all vote-by-mail elections across the entire country for the November general elections unless some, you know, miracle cure pops up uh, between now and then. 
I know you're still in touch with many election officials in, in counties and states across the country. Is that something that officials are now discussing? Is it is it uh, likely? And given what we know about how easy it is to toss out mail ballots if you don't have uh, uh, proper procedures, is, is it a good idea to do that for the November general election? Well, there are ways that voters can protect themselves. For example, particularly the voters whose, whose hand writing changes the most is the young voter who, who registered to vote in their high school maybe when they were 18 or they could even have pre-registered and now they're out of college that that individual's handwriting i guarantee you is not going to look the same mm. under any stretch of the imagination right. and so just like calling in the supervisor of elections office or contacting your elections office you could actually using for example in florida the voter registration application you can supply a signature update you can download the form, do a signature update with your current signature, mail it into the office. Unfortunately, Florida requires an original, so you can't just you know scan it and email it back mm-hmm. in. They, we, we require original signature, but if we do go in that direction, and quite frankly, Brad, I think you're correct. I think this is not a two-week or a 30-day or a two-month proposition. This is a serious, serious epidemic. And we need to prepare for the worst-case scenario, not the best-case scenario. We need to start preparing as if we're going to do mail balloting in the fall. And that means looking at the procedures, making sure that the process is fair, signatures need to update those addresses. This process can be done, mm-hmm. and scrutiny is good. Scrutiny is, is good in this process. Um, the, the, that could also be, uh, since we're talking about a federal election in November, congressional elections, presidential elections, that could that could come from Congress, right? If we didn't have a broken Congress, they could put rules in place for how to run, uh, 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 you know, mail in all vote by mail elections in 50 states with certain minimum requirements like, uh, you know, curing a, a proper time for curing ballots and so forth. That could come from the top. We wouldn't have to rely on uh, officials in Florida and Georgia and other states like that. Right. You know, to me, the, the real crime in, 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 the, in the Bush v. Gore decision, which was a travesty, was the fact that the real equal protection violation is done between the various states where you have excellent states that, with good, that will count a majority of their ballots. You have states uh, like Georgia and Florida who uh, excel in discarding their voters' votes. To me, that's the equal protection violation mm-hmm. of the Constitution yeah. that needs to be solved. That is an unequal protection issue of major proportions. Well, now is the time, uh, I think, to start talking about this, even as there's confusion and, and, and some panic among the, uh, uh, the the primary states that are voting. Uh, I think the big prize, of course, is November, and we've got to uh, walk into it with clear eyes and understand what is what is good and not and what needs to be put in place before we get there. Uh, Ion, uh, so I suspect we'll be talking more about this in the weeks and months ahead. I had hoped, uh, before all of this happened, Ion, I had hoped to talk with you about some of the, and I only have a minute or so here, but the the still mysterious cases of of Russian hacking reportedly in an unknown number of Florida counties down there, and now these new secrecy agreements that Florida elections officials have been required to sign oh, yeah. by oh, the yeah. is it by the Department of Homeland Security? No, by the Secretary of State's office for the state of Florida. 
you don't get your state you don't get your aid unless you sign the non-disclosure agreements which is violative of florida court rulings you can't contract away public your public records rights as a public official in the state of florida not even to homeland security it's not worth the paper it's written on but when you have the secretary of state saying you're not going to get your grant money unless you sign it pretty much you're going to get compliance they need the money and what are they trying to keep secret that an nda is necessary on 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 elections like this uh, it, 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 I I'm simply, I simply can't answer that question. It makes no logical sense. The Russians know what they did. Uh, the only people that don't know are the American public, and they're the precise individuals that should be told, if you want to ensure that the people don't panic uh-huh. or engage in wild speculation, you provide them with the truth. You provide them with the evidence. You show them what has gone on. And that's precisely what hasn't gone on here. And to me, actually making the Russian attack uh, semi-successful in the response that we have provided to it. If you were still uh, the uh, supervisor of elections in Leon County, Florida, would you have signed that secrecy agreement with the state of Florida? Uh, Yes, but then I would have completely disregarded. Attaboy. Ion Sancho, the uh, former Leon County, Florida supervisor of elections for some 30 years, still uh, a hero uh, for fans of democracy around this country. Ion, really appreciate you jumping in and uh, touching base with us today. I look forward to speaking with you throughout the uh, unfolding disaster in the months ahead, my friend. Take care. Thank you. All right, a uh, quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. More because fun. that never stops, <laughs> no matter uh, pandemic or otherwise. Exactly. No delay in that. That's straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay right there. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Oh, if we could only stop the world. True. But we can't. No, we can't. Desi, you know, there was a uh, presidential debate on Sunday night. We yes. hardly talked about it all on our previous uh, broadcast. I had hoped to play at least some clips from it today. That all fell away. Uh, Thanks, given coronavirus. The, yeah, I know. Uh, given all the cancellations of the polls and everything else. But you at least found time for at least some of Sunday's debate in our latest Green News report. We're going to fill it right up to the top. Trump administration moves to shore up oil industry amid crashing oil prices. Coronavirus shutdown clears Italy's air. Plus... single greatest threat to our national security is climate change. All well and good. 
but nowhere near enough. Last men standing. Hobbling. A remaining Democratic presidential candidates duke it out over climate action. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It's helping our oil industry and making us even further with that wonderful goal which we've achieved, which nobody thought was possible, of energy independence. So we're moving towards that wonderful goal that we have already achieved. Yep. Got it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, seems like the coronavirus is now infecting everything. Yes, even the green news. And you know, one of the things I've noticed are the striking similarities between the spread of the coronavirus and climate change Mm. and how governments react or don't. Mm. With the coronavirus right now, we are getting to see in real time the consequences of the failure to act swiftly. Interesting. All the right wingers started by calling it a hoax. Now that it is clearly not a hoax, they're backtracking, trying to figure out how to make sense of it. That's a very fast moving version of climate change, it seems. <laughs> it kind of is. On to the news on Friday in announcing federal measures to address the coronavirus crisis. President Trump announced that he has ordered the U.S. Department of Energy to purchase large quantities of crude oil for the nation's strategic petroleum reserve. We're going to fill it right up to the top. Saving the American taxpayer billions and billions of dollars. The move directly benefits the oil industry by keeping the price of oil afloat. And it is something of a bailout for U.S. drilling companies amid cratering demand. Bloomberg News reports that even at the low current price, it's still going to cost taxpayers nearly $3 billion to buy it. Oil prices jumped on the news, but the boost was only temporary. When markets opened three days later on Monday, global oil prices plunged again, falling below. $30 a barrel. That's the lowest in more than four years. Overall, oil prices are half what they were on January 1st. Some analysts predict that oil prices could drop below $20 a barrel in coming weeks, and it hasn't been that low since 1998. And how much does the industry have to sell it for per barrel for them to make any money, say, fracking to get that oil? About $50 a barrel on the global oil market would make fracking worthwhile. So $50 a barrel makes it profitable they're losing money at $20 a barrel. Yep. One of the perverse outcomes of the coronavirus pandemic is that it has literally cleared the air in Italy, which has been hardest hit by the outbreak in Europe. New satellite images now show that Italy's nationwide shutdown dramatically decreased toxic air pollution, and it also coincided with reducing emissions that cause global warming. In China, a new analysis of emissions data confirms that China's carbon emissions fell by about 25 percent during their shutdown. That's because people are not using as much fossil fuels. Industrial activity has fallen considerably and people are not flying or driving as much. So obviously a pandemic is not the way to fight climate change, but it does offer a stunning example of how fast shifting to clean energy would clean up the air. Great point. Finally, the latest 2020 Democratic presidential debate on Sunday night, hosted by CNN, included about 12 minutes of discussion on climate change. That's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, With the remaining two candidates, former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Biden defended his plan to address climate change, which is more modest than Bernie Sanders' plan and doesn't go nearly as far. We're going to once again reinstate all the cuts the president made and everything from the CAFE standards, investing in light rail so that we take 
cars off the road, 500,000 charging stations, high-speed rail, taking millions of automobiles off the road, no more drilling on federal lands. I would immediately rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, which I helped put together. We can do these things. We can lay down the tracks where nothing can be changed by the next president or following president. Sanders criticized Biden for not going far enough. This requires dramatic bold action. We've got to take on the fossil fuel industry. Your plan does not do that. We can put millions and millions of people to work making our buildings uh, energy efficient, moving our transportation system to electricity. So what we're talking about is a massive, unprecedented investment. That is what the Green New Deal is about. I supported it uh, and I will fight to implement it. Biden's plan aims for making the U.S. carbon neutral by 2050, while Sanders' broader actions aim for carbon neutrality by 2030, which is what scientists say is necessary. Seems like Biden wants to restore all of the stuff that was underway under Obama and that Bernie Sanders says that ain't enough. We got to move even farther. It's go big or go slow. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. The big stuff. Who do you think you are? Anyway, yes. So there we got in a little bit of the uh, Democratic debate, just barely. Yeah. Um, And uh, the story you mentioned, by the way, about uh, Italy's air is now clear. Yes, temporarily. Temporarily. China's air is clear. Uh, If uh, I don't have much good to say about the coronavirus. But it's been fantastic for traffic here in Los Angeles. Funny how that works, isn't it? Right. It was empty on rush hour. Yeah. It was amazing to it's, see. And which makes me think that we're also going to be seeing reports in a few days about how uh, the air has cleared up in Los Angeles and perhaps across the country because of coronavirus. And, you know, we're kind of joking about this, but it actually does have some pretty surprising health, uh, health impacts for Americans when you don't have air pollution that you're constantly breathing that causes lung damage. That, that's a big deal. It is a big deal, especially in Los Angeles, yes. having lived here for 20 years. Uh, and by the way, the air has gotten much cleaner over those years. But, uh, boy, uh, nothing like uh, what we're likely to see now with just no cars on the street, pretty I know. much. It's pretty wild. kind of creepy. Uh, all right. Anyway, thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thanks to the great Ion Sancho for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. What else were you going to do? You're locked in the house anyway, right? Uh, Anyway, we greatly appreciate it. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download all of them for years and years. Again, you got plenty of time now. Stop by bradblog.com and download all the broadcasts you like. Share them with your friends. And that is, of course, made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us uh, stay on your public airwaves at what I would argue is a very, very important time for folks like us to be able to stay on your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com and on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you'll find me simply as the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Stop.